Hello and welcome to Brand Appeal, where we talk about brand stories. Today, I'm on my own again, so I am just going to be kind of going over some of the brand storytelling advice that I have on my website at marketappeal.agency. Storytelling expert. You've landed on the brand storytelling page of the Market Appeal website. Now, I'm a content creator. And I tell stories using different media to ensure I'm speaking to my audience in the manner my audience prefers. You know, some people like to watch videos, others like to recopy, most enjoy the stories photos tell us, and then there are the infographics to lead us through a visual representation of a story. By taking a multimedia content approach to your brand storytelling, you're able to reach people where they want to be, mix it up, keep it from becoming repetitive, and you make a bigger impact by matching the story to the right content media. So if you're listening to this, I am assuming, and I know what assuming means, that you enjoy listening as you're doing stuff to instead of reading or watching a video. So if you are taking me around with you so that you can listen to what brand storytelling is, I appreciate it. So what is brand storytelling anyway? As a writer, it's very important to me to know the definition of a word and to define it and be clear about its definition. You know, I grew up speaking English. I'm a native English speaker. There are millions of us out there. However, have you ever run into someone or asked your boss to do something or asked someone uh, delegated work to someone and there was a miscommunication? A misunderstanding? They thought you meant one thing when you meant a totally different thing? That's because we assign different meanings to words. Just ask somebody what success means. Or what's the definition of an entrepreneur? These words have dictionary meanings. However, very few of us We'll read the dictionary to f- from A to Z to figure out what a word's definition is. We already assume that we know because we've learned it na- through native speaking. But still, it's really important to know the definition. So I'm going to tell you what is brand storytelling and what it is to me. Brand storytelling is a story you tell about your brand plus the story others tell about your brand added to how others perceive your company's behaviors, choices, and values. In other words, your brand story is your reputation. Brand storytelling uses story structure to share your message with your audience, attract customers who identify with your brand, and storytellers connect to a brand's market on a deeper level as they pull at the audience's heartstrings and spark a fire in their bellies. We used to call this approach advertising, but that term is so mad men of the 50s, they've created a new term to sound trendy and cutting edge. Some contemporary marketers and advertisers would have you believe brand storytelling is new, but it isn't. If you ever saw an Apple's 1984 commercial or the commercials playing on TV during the 80s cola wars, you know advertisers have always told emotional stories to impact audiences. The difference is not in the idea of brand storytelling, but in the role of advertising in the process of brand storytelling. 
Today, the story isn't told on one way on a one-way broadcast, and brands do not control the narrative like they did back in advertising's heyday. Now, brands are a part of a dialogue about who they are and what they provide to the marketplace. The other side of the conversation is the customer, who has a lot to say about what a brand means to them. Brand stories told in the digital realm have evolved as technology has changed, and the process will continue to evolve. However, don't let the name change fool you. The best commercials and the most impactful marketing over the last 70 years has shown us that stories make a bigger impact in the marketing and advertising messages than the, boy, do I have a deal for you method. How do you think they sold snake oil so, to so many unsuspecting people all over the globe well over 100 years ago? Just picture it. The horse-drawn buggy with the wagon, the wooden wagon with the sign hand-painted, and the guy standing up and promising that this snake oil or this elixir or that elixir is going to cure you what ails you. They told stories. They told stories about how the product worked, how it had worked for others, how it was going to work for those in the audience. The better the storyteller, the more snake oil was sold. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the sheer enormity of telling your brand story online? You aren't alone. Many people don't do anything because they're unsure about what to do or they've given up because there were no results to their brand storytelling efforts. So when it comes to contact marketing, content marketing, or brand storytelling, people are so inundated with content, they don't know where to start. This is why I created a program to help people like you, or if that is you, uh, build a strong foundation for your content marketing campaigns and build your brand story one story at a time. And it's called the Guided Do-It-Yourself program, where you choose one of the programs and you get each step and you go through it step by step by step. If that sounds like something you want, come by the marketappeal.agency website. When you think back to high school English and all the things that come prize a story, you probably learned that three is a magic number. Now, stories are compiled of a plot, characters, and an environment. So let's look at who your story is about. So who is the hero of a brand story? So every story has a hero, but Every hero does not belong in a story. Since you don't have a lot of time to gain the attention of your audience online and you aren't creating a remake of Tolstoy's War and Peace, simplify your hero story. Have one hero in each of the stories you tell about your brand. And preferably, that should be your customer. When you tell the story about your life, it, is it one story or is it a bunch of stories woven together to create a larger epic? Sometimes you are the hero in the story and sometimes you're the supporting character. In some stories, you'll even be the antagonist or villain as they like to be called. 
Your brand story is no different. It's made up of lots of different stories, which tie together to weave a tapestry of its life. So it is important you know which type of story you want to tell and which type of hero you want your brand to be. Otherwise, the tapestry will be a mess of different colors and shapes and textures and materials and nobody will know what, it, what the picture's of. There are a number of story and hero archetypes to help you choose which story you want your brand to tell. And there is a video on my website about the everyday hero archetype and why professionals may consider choosing this type of story for their brand storytelling narrative. So here are the different types of hero archetypes. An archetype is a stereotypical. This is a stereotype. They've, they've stereotyped a few types of heroes and given them a label and it makes storytelling a lot easier when we do that because the audience is able to process the story faster due to the assumptions that they make and what they know ahead of time. So let's take a look at some of these archetypes now if, and see if your brand story needs that type of hero. So there's the classical hero. This is the romantic hero who possesses a quality ordinary people don't have, a talent, exceptionally good looks, money, or intelligence. Examples of a classical hero in a storytelling are Harry Potter. Can you think of any other heroes and stories who have possessed one unique or extraordinary talent or gift? The epic hero. Now this is the classic Greek hero of tragedy in legends of lore and mythology. They are larger than life men of good character whom people admire and this brings them fortune and success. Examples of epic heroes in storytelling are Odysseus, Lancelot. Can you think of any others? The reason you may not want to use the epic hero is they are unbelievable, unrelatable, and it would come across as either completely bragging or complete or just not feel authentic because it'd be like you're lying because nobody is an epic hero. Epic heroes are perfect. They do nothing wrong. They know all the answers. And no matter what happens, they always come out on top. So what about the iconic hero? The iconic hero does not change from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. They are known by their own brand of character, behaviors, and choices. They do not grow as individuals, though they drive the story forward, even though they are the same at the beginning, in the middle, and the end. Very predictable. You know exactly who they're going to be. So when in a series, they are the exact same in every book and there is no self-reflection, no growth, no understanding, they are an iconic hero. Examples of iconic heroes in storytelling are James Bond, The Lone Ranger, Optimus Prime, and Sherlock Holmes. You know exactly how they're going to behave and what they're going to say and you're not surprised because... No matter how many books are written about them or how many movies are created, they're exactly the same from, be from book one right through to book 20. 
The tragic hero was defined by Aristotle in the tale of Troy. This hero is flawed and must evoke pity or fear in the audience because they are fated to, be, to die or be ruined. So examples of the tragic hero are Achilles, Macbeth, and Romeo. You probably don't want to be the tragic hero of your story. The everyone hero or the everyday hero is the ordinary individual that we identify with. Unlike the classical hero, the everyday hero has no extraordinary qualities. They are using, they're usually using sound moral judgment and are selfless in their behavior. These are the stories of us. The reluctant hero. Now the reluctant hero is similar to the anti-hero, which I will talk about next, in that they're forced to be the ones to step up and act. The difference is their morality. The reluctant hero saves the day because of a moral code, though they do not want to be the one called upon to save the day, but they will because there's no one else and somebody has to. So examples of the reluctant hero in storytelling are Wolverine, Shrek, and Captain Jack. Yes, Captain Jack Sparrow is the reluctant hero. Didn't have to say the moral compass was a good one. The anti-hero is not seen as a hero due to their lack of character or other flaws, which lead others to see them as villains more than heroes. By the end of the story, though, they've saved the day despite themselves. Examples of the anti-hero in storytelling are Jay Gatsby and Lady Macbeth. Those are the heroes that you love to hate. A lot of stories nowadays have the anti-hero. Game of Thrones, completely filled with anti-heroes. The unhero. An everyday person who bumbles along and does little to elicit good in the end. Even if they do elicit change, save the day, or move the story forward, they make unethical decisions and actions to save those they care about. For example, examples of the unhero in storytelling are Darth Vader, Inspector Gadget, and Walter Wine. Oh, sorry, Walter White. Walter White. <laughs> Breaking bad. Uh, the liminal hero is caught between two states, elements or spaces. Teenagers are liminal characters because they are no longer children, but they are not yet adults. They're in the in-between. The supernatural genre, the NYA genres, are filled with liminal heroes who have limited influence in the world around them. So examples of a lim liminal hero are Spider-Man and Casper. Can you think of any others? And that's probably not one that you want for your brand either. The romantic hero is from the romantic period of literature. And they reject the established society's rules and expectations. They are plagued by inner turmoil. And during the story, they reject society's authority and turn away from what they are expected to do. They're often referred to as 
the misfit hero. So people like Mr. Darcy, Katniss Everdeen. They are outside of society. The Byronic hero is based on Lord Byron himself as the first real celebrity with a personal brand. Yes, personal branding has been around that long. This hero is a subcategory of the romantic hero as they are from the same era. The difference is that while romantic heroes are better off in their rejection of society, the Byronic hero is hurt and rejected by society. The romantic hero rejects society and Byronic heroes are rejected by society. So examples of Byronic heroes are Loki, Mr. Rochester, and Heathcliff. The willing hero knows he is a hero and works hard to be the protector of society. They are willing to take on the responsibility of hero as it defines their identity. Examples of the willing hero in storytelling are Hercules, Batman. Who else can you think of that is a willing hero? The superhero. Now the superhero possesses a quality that ordinary people just don't have. However, unlike the classic hero who is still part of the world they're placed in, a superhero quality is so much greater, they are considered outside of the society they protect. And of course, examples of superheroes in storytelling are Superman, Thor, Wolverine. Yeah, I got thing for Wolverine. So superhero is probably not going to be with the hero in any of your stories. However, there may be different types and different stories and different times that you end up with one of these other heroes. Though your own hero, when you're talking about yourself as the hero, will more than likely just be the everyone hero or everyday hero. Now you may be curious about the brand story of Market Appeal. Well, Market Appeal is me and I am Market Appeal. And let me tell you, I'm not just banana crazy. I'm the whole bunch peel crazy. See, growing up with a name that was a verb and a noun had its interesting moments. For example, when my brother's friends called him Peeler, they didn't mean the same thing as the boys who were running around calling me Peeler thinking it was funny. You see, Peeler means stripper in Western Canada. Now add Shannon to the mix and I'd get Bananan Peeler. Yes, having a word as a last name gives me lots of interesting wordplay opportunities. So when I first started my company, it was natural for me to use the name Market Appeal because that's what I did. I created Market Appeal for brands. It was my job to make brands look good. Then I went peel crazy by using peel when naming my products and services. Appealing Digital Magazine was the flagship magazine to tell my clients' brand stories. And I published real stories by real people with real solutions to create appealing lives and careers or businesses. Curb Appeal Magazine was created to help realtors create a personal brand with Curb Appeal. And Market Appeal publishes digital magazines to tell brand stories to connect with the marketplace and real estate professionals who need to stand out. The Appealed blog 
Well, that's where I publish all the stories in the digital magazines uh, to provide contributors and guest bloggers with quality backlinks to their own websites for SEO. The Unpeeled podcast is the former name of my podcast was Unpeeled and now it's the Brand Appeal podcast. Anyway, that's a market appeal podcast to tell stories about professionals and brands we interview to peel back the layers to get to the core of their stories. Appealing in Audio is the podcast where I part of the podcast where I read the articles from Appealing to share with those who want an audio version of the stories instead of reading the words. Kind of like what I'm doing right now for this page. And Book Appeal. Book Appeal is the market appeal e-store where I sell products to help people tell their stories, uh, things like journals and other items with branding or graphic designs. It enables me to market my clients' books and my workbooks along with journals and bags. I appeal. Well, that was my photography company before I switched. And I only do family and event photography upon requests these days. So if you have any other appeal ideas you'd like to share, you know, share them with me on the Market Appeal Forum. I'm sure I'll need more names because I have lots of product ideas to bring to the market as Market Appeal grows. I wasn't sure about playing with my name as a brand name because it felt a bit gimmicky, maybe a bit cutesy, and I don't do rainbows and unicorn cute. Turned out people like Market Appeal brand because it's witty and the design is minimalistic. It works and after all, I am total banana peel crazy. So points, so back to your brand story, because that's what we're here for. We're here to help you learn how to tell your brand story. So points to remember when you're telling a brand story, know yourself. That is so important. If you don't know yourself, and trust me, most people, even myself, we don't know ourselves. We say things without hearing what we say. We do things without thinking about what we do or how they come across to others. So take some time to get to know yourself, your values, behaviors, uh, how you talk, all of that kind of stuff. Know your brand. Very important to know what kind of image you want to portray to the world. Focus on why your brand exists. Now your voice and your mission matters and your brand story needs personality. So keep your personality in your brand. Find your narrative, have a clear vision, find your audience and they are everywhere. Narrow your expertise so that people know exactly who you are and what you do. Keep it simple because a confused mind does nothing. Be human. You know, you're not superhuman. You're not a superhero. You're human. And we people want to know that there's some vulnerability there and that you've learned some lessons along the way. Use your story to connect with your customers and get other people to tell you their brand story. So how to tell your brand story? Ah, oh, finally, you're thinking about time, Shannon. I've been, that's all I want to know. Well, how to tell your brand story? Here's how to tell your brand story. Are you ready? Go to your kitchen, grab a pot of coffee. Now sit down at your computer and write. That's it. You know, every storyteller starts with a blank page and only succeeds by typing. 
Telling a story doesn't take a lot of time. Now, editing, revising, and polishing said story, that takes time, a whole lot of time. You know, I love what Hemingway said about the first draft. He said, it's shit. So when you sit down to write your brand story, don't sweat it because your keyboard has a delete button. Let the words flow on the screen and then worry about what you will say. So the good news is you don't have to submit 60,000 to 90,000 words to an editor. You only need 280 characters for tweet, 20 to 50 words for a social media post, and about 1,500 to 2,000 words for a blog post. I got a question for you. Which do you think is harder to write, a tweet or a novel? Not which takes the longest, but which is the hardest. Try to tell your brand story using only six words. Can you do it? Hemingway's style of writing is perfect for social media and online content consumers because he used as few words as possible. His famous short story is six words. So he was in this bar with someone and they had a bet. And he said, I can write a story using only six words. And of course they bet. And Hemingway took a napkin, bar napkin, and wrote his six word story. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. It's brilliant because he doesn't tell you the story. He lets you experience it. Practice telling your brand story with as few words as possible and enable your audience to experience the story. So now we're just going to talk about structure, because how are you going to structure your story? A story is three parts, a beginning, a middle, and an end. In his book, Poetics, Aristotle wrote, the beginning is not simply the first event in the series of three, but rather the emotionally engaging and originating event. The middle is the natural and casually related consequence, and the end is the inevitable conclusion of the event. Stories have an origination, an escalation of conflict, and a resolution. Now, the brand story structure is a problem-solution-result. Regardless of the three words you use to describe storytelling structure, you need to know how to begin the story. So the first sentence is a hook. So when writing a novel, I have a few pages to hook the reader into wanting to know more about the story, and that first sentence is critical. The first line of my coming-of-age YA novel is, Jack's eyes snapped open, and his heart was a heart-shaped object protruding from his chest. The first sentence of my chick-lit book is, Was there ever a time when it was simple to be a woman? What do these first sentences tell you about what those books are about? And do they make you curious enough to read more? I don't know. Do they? So can you identify which books the following first lines come from? Call me Ishmael. I am an invisible man. Mother died today. Ships at a distance have every man's wish on board. You better not never tell nobody but God. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. The sweat was 
lashing of a sick boy. He was Tim Tremblin. 124 was spiteful, full of baby's venom. I was writing this sitting in the kitchen sink. So call me Ishmael. What makes this such a great opening is the unusual name. Call me Bob. Doesn't have the same ring to it. I am an invisible man. Mother died today. And I write this sitting in the kitchen sink. Elicit curiosity in the reader who either wants to know what happened. And they can identify with the story already because they either feel invisible or their mother died. And they want to read these books to learn what happened. Our senses and mind are tuned to focus on irregularities. Those things that don't quite fit, doesn't make sense, or is simply changing. This is an evolutionary adaptive trait. It helps in analyzing the environment for threats. Orwell used this human adaptive trait when he wrote, It was a bright cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. Toni Morrison did the same thing with 124 was spiteful, full of baby's venom. These sentences are odd and make readers take notice. You want to hook the reader, a hook something that intrigues the reader, and it can virtually be anything that makes the reader want to continue reading. It could be a story question. Will the protagonist overcome the daunting problem confronting him? Those usually work good. So go, going on a journey. Now the next part of the story is the middle and the middle is where the journey happens, where the plot develops. This is where things happen to heroes, where they learn and grow. Describe the struggle the hero needs to overcome and resolve. As the stakes are raised, the two struggles will strive to drive the story forward and deepen the reader's engagement. At the climax of the story, the hero makes a discovery that changes his life from and makes a choice. The change marks the resolution of the crisis and the culmination of the story. If you present us with an emotional stirring crisis or calling, we'll get hooked. If you show the stakes rising as the character struggles to resolve this crisis, you'll draw us in more deeply. And if you end the story that reveals the transformation, we'll be satisfied. So end with a bang. Once you finish the meat of the story, it's time to end it with a killer ending. What will your customer experience if they choose your brand? Describe the emotional reaction from the benefit and end with a strong call to action. Arthur Miller once said, If I see an ending, I can work backward. The most difficult part of writing any story, long or short, is ending it. In order to write your ending, you have to ask yourself what action you want to set forth at the beginning. What is the objective of telling the story? What is it that you want someone to do? And then work it back from there. So when you end your brand story, it's not the end because you are asking them to act, to do something and interact with your business. The end of your story needs to motivate. And that means you need to communicate the value the audience will get if they make the decision to go to the next chapter of your. So when you're telling your brand story, elicit emotion. The reason brand storytelling works so well is because it elicits emotion and draws the audience in by being relatable. 
Creating the right copy to touch the hearts and minds of the reader is an art. You must understand how your audience consumes content on the platform and use a multimedia approach to tell your story. Digital magazines are conducive to guiding readers through a brand story and engaging them by adding video, audio, widgets, and fun features. Now this is my plug. Market Appeal publishes a digital magazines for brands to communicate with their audiences on a regular basis. What do you know? Social media is a bunch of sound bites to gain curiosity and encourage people to move forward further into their brand story. Websites and blogs enable an audience to jump around and find more information they are specifically looking for about the brand. So copywriting emotions and brand storytelling. The first thing to take into consideration is the image and values of the brand because the customers need to identify with the brand to build trust. The next variation to address is the objective and goals of the project. What do you want the reader to do when they read the words? Will there, where will the copy be used and where in the funnel is the reader likely to be? If a brand wants a quick reaction to engage a short-term purchase, then fear of missing out or appealing to one's ego as an early adopter might work. If a brand wants a long-term trusting relationship with its audience, then the copy needs to speak to the values, opinions, and ideals of the reader to show how they and the brand are aligned. Connect by resonating with the audience. Now, the funniest comedians are the ones who tell funny stories about something you can relate to. If a comedian is telling stories about the messiness of being a parent and you've never had kids, his story is not going to resonate with you and the joke will fall flat. Brand storytelling is no different. You want to tell stories about your business, which your audience will relate to because you are solving their problem, issue, or frustration. Write stories about fictional customers experiencing a problem and how you were able to come in and fix it for them. Finish the story up with a happy result and a call to action. When the customer can see themselves in the story, they will know your company can help them. I had one client who contacted me after I posted a story about an overwhelmed individual. He'd helped. My client was worried I was the one who was overwhelmed and wanted to make sure I was okay. This is the response I wanted his LinkedIn followers to experience when they read the story. Okay, it wasn't actually 100% what happened in the story, but it was a truthful one because that is exactly who his clients are and how he helps them. The story was a composite of how we feel when we are overwhelmed and the ending was the result his clients experienced. Don't lie, be truthful, but it can be in a generalized, vague truth. So which emotions um, should you target in your brand storytelling? Well, there are lots of different emotions you can try to elicit in your brand story. However, some emotions work better than others at creating a lasting impact or short-term action. Advertisers have used fear and love since the beginning of advertising to sell goods and services. Think about how the reader may experience a fear of missing out or fall in love with the idea of what your product or service can do for them. In today's world, we are all looking for connection and community because we want to feel accepted light, and a sense of belonging. Think about the emotions your brand story naturally brings out of people and tell stories to touch on the heartstrings to inspire your audience to act. The most important emotional instance to explore in your brand storytelling is their moment of greatest fear.
It is perhaps the most important emotional trigger because our limitations, failures, frustrations, and disappointments can be tracked back to a fundamental fear and a moment of our greatest courage. What has happened since the worst failure? Don't want to share your worst failure? I know, but don't ignore that moment of deepest shame. The moment of most profound guilt. The lessons you've learned in that moment define you and your brand. These are the stories your audience will resonate with because they've been there or they're in that place. So how you tell your emotional trigger brand story matters. You must tell the story from a place of success, not a place of shame, failure, fear, or guilt. Though you are telling a story about those emotions, if the story you are telling only contains the problem, the cause of the problem, and the result of the problem, you are telling the wrong story. Only tell brand stories about the solution. The problem is the conflict you were facing and the story is about how you beat your adversary, the problem, to arrive at a positive resolution. You want to tell the story using a voice of power and wisdom. And not every story should be told. There are certain things in our lives that need to remain private in order to protect the brand image. There is such a thing as TMI, and if the story or its lesson has little to do with the value of your brand, don't talk about it. Were you an alcoholic who ended up on the street and crawled your way back to greatness? That could be an amazing story to motivate people and show the strength of your character. It could also be show a weakness of character and cause customers to turn away from you. So whether or not you tell that story will depend on your brand, the industry, and the level of personal trust a customer needs to have with you. Now, if you are a financial planner and you tell me your time as a homeless drunk, I might question your capability to manage my wealth. There are certain intrinsic values and characteristics you must portray in your brand story. But brand stories can touch your audience on an emotional level where they will resonate with them. It's easier for personal brands to tell an emotional story based on events in their lives. However, business brand stories can still elicit emotional connections by sharing personal stories. But those personal stories are stories about how the business solved the customer's problems. Watch commercials of big corporations that have created to tell an emotional story, to sell products, to learn how to structure brand stories and if you want there's a ton of them on youtube so that's the end of the story today and thank you very much for listening on to brand appeal and i hope that you join me again and if you want to be on the show please just uh drop in to a brand appeal show uh peel out